Hi, I'm Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Um, I believe a lot of alcoholism brings us to things such as trust, fear, honesty, betrayal, hurt, and love, whether you love the alcoholic or drug addict or not. I live with an alcoholic in my family, my father, along with other family members such as my uncles, my grandfather, my birth father, and my brother who is a drug addict. My father is an alcoholic. He had been involved with alcohol as a teenager, and eventually it grew into a disease. He always had the disease, I believe. I just think it grew into a bigger problem when he got older and wanted to settle down. He had gotten involved with alcohol when I was a baby, and my parents' marriage almost fell apart many times. When I was 12, I witnessed my dad's use of alcohol for the first time. It was spring break, and we were going to visit my grandmother. She is my dad's mother, and she meant the world to him. My grandfather had passed away a few years before when I was in first grade from cancer. Nothing seemed wrong at first, but things changed. Things changed. Um, I remember going to get something to eat, and when I opened the pantry, the first thing I saw in front of me was a shiny bottle with the words whiskey on the front. I tried to think nothing of it, but something inside me was telling me otherwise. Sure enough, my dad had been drinking that night along with days before he came to Florida to meet up with us. When my dad is drinking, he turns into a different person, like most alcoholics do. <laughs> he was very angry, would call me names, try to force feed me at dinner, and he almost drove our car into a bridge. Um, it was embarrassing, especially when we were out somewhere and he would make a fool of himself. Uh, I would cry, and he would tell me to suck it up and not show my feelings. My mom and I decided to go home early, and when we got home, she told me, he, when he got home, she told him to get his things and leave. He was out of the house for months, living with his sponsor doing work until he got his act together. He is now living at home again with us, and he has been sober, sober for four years now. Things aren't perfect, but they are better. However, I was never the same after that trip. I changed. I was quiet. I didn't open up to anybody. I started to fail my tests. My grades were dropping. On top of that, I was being made fun of all the time. Uh, people would say things right in front of my face. They would laugh at me and make jokes whenever I tried to stand up for myself. When I was 12, I started going to Alatine for the first time. I liked it, but I didn't feel as if I had fit in, which didn't have anything to do with my Alatine group at some point. So I stopped going after about six months. Um, I'm now back, though, and I have been for over a year. Um, but leaving probably wasn't the best decision for me because one day I came home from school crying uh, because I had been made fun of. My dad had just got home and I wasn't ready for that because all the bad memories kept replaying in my mind. And he would get mad easily. Everyone seemed happy but me. That's when I started self-abusing. I only did it twice, but it was the worst decision of my life. Because every day I look down at my hand and it's staring back at me. It makes me feel weak. Because when I did it, I was. I used to wear bracelets on my wrist so it would cover things up, but months after I came back to Alpine, I decided to cut them off because I told myself I wasn't afraid anymore. My brother is probably one of the nicest people you ever meet. You know. However, he keeps his feelings bottled up. Dana has gone through a lot in his life. He lived through the moments when I was a baby and my dad couldn't control himself enough to take care of his wife and children. He lived through the yelling and the screaming and the... I always tried to save my brother. He was made fun of when he was in middle school, and even though I was only in third grade, I wasn't afraid to step up to the kids who would bully him. People hit him on the head with rocks, flashlights, batteries, basically anything. He eventually became anorexic. He thought he wasn't good enough. He thought he was fat, and he wasn't. He wouldn't eat anything, and he hid it from us for a long time. He was good at hiding things until my dad yelled at him. That's when he would break down into tears. My dad would take out his anger on Daniel. I remember getting yelled at. I remember him getting yelled at after we were playing soccer by the house and he accidentally broke a window. I felt so bad because I thought I should have caught the ball, but I am powerless over what happened. Seeing him sit in the corner by the closet with tears streaming down his face was the worst feeling in the world, especially since he was my big brother. He didn't want me to see him like that, and I tried to stand up for him and tell my dad it wasn't his fault, but it never seemed to stop. Until one day he decided to stand up for himself in front of my father. We were in a coffee shop visiting him in college. It was the first time he ever talked back to our dad, and Daniel was right about everything he said.
It was my most proud moment of him I've ever had. I think it was the first time he actually ever stood up for himself. In January 2008, my dad got a call from my mom who was in Florida visiting my grandma. He said that my grandmother had just had a stroke and was on her way to the hospital. My grandmother was my hero. I felt as if she helped my dad stop drinking and doing stupid things in Florida, even though I know only the alcoholic can control themselves. My grandmother called me Tinkerbell, or Tink for short. I love that name. Uh, I remember the last time I visited her in Colorado, where her other house was. Um, it was where the rest of my dad's side of the family lives. Um, it was Christmas, and me and my grandmother became very close. I woke up in the mornings to hang out and eat ice cream and watch TV with her. We made a gingerbread house together. The day we were leaving, she dropped us off at the airport, and she said her goodbyes, although this time it was different. She was crying, so she put her sunglasses on. I said goodbye once, and then right before she got in the car to leave, I stopped and ran to her side of the car and gave her the biggest hug and told her I loved her so much. When I was walking to the airport, I looked back and somehow something in me, I don't know what it was, but uh, I knew it was the last time I would ever She died a few months after her stroke on April 4th, 2008, due to complications that went on during her stroke. My grandmother meant the world to me, and I think about her every day of my life. I think she secretly knew how much I loved her, too. She had this ring she wore every day, and now I wear it. It's chained to my finger. I never, I never let it go. Uh, it means the world to me, and it gives me some small piece of her that I'm able to hold on to. When I was 13, I wanted to get in contact with my birth mother, Wanda. I was adopted when I was a baby because my birth mother was a single mother of four and didn't have enough money to keep a house. Sometimes I wonder what it would have been like if I wasn't adopted and stayed with my biological family, but I know it wasn't best for me in my life. My birth father, Dexter, is also an alcoholic. I knew my birth mother gave me up because she wanted me to have a good life, not a life where I live months in a tent on a campsite because she couldn't afford a home. She's the most heartfelt and selfless person I've ever met. I have an older birth brother and three sisters on my birth mother's side, Keith, Emily, Paula, Lindsay, and I have a nephew, Chance, who's Emily's son. In 2006, my sister Lindsay was attacked, beaten, and raped by one of my birth mother's ex-boyfriend's friend because she told him she didn't want to. This man was a drug addict and an alcoholic, and when my birth mother left for work that morning at 6 a.m. is when he snuck into our house and attacked Lindsay. He left her in the shower afterwards and told her if she told anyone, he would come after our entire family. Not knowing this man had raped two other girls already and had a 16-year-old girlfriend that was pregnant with his child while he was in his 30s, Lindsay wasn't afraid to come forward. Lindsay is the most brave person I have ever met in my life, and she is still my hero today. My brother Keith tried to go after the man who hurt her. He took a gun and went hunting, but the police caught him before Keith could touch him. Thank God. This man is now in prison for about 12 years. I personally think... I used to blame myself for what happened to Lindsay. I thought that I could have done something, like hit him over the head. With Even though I know deep down I would have been hurt too, I just couldn't let it go. I have... I've let some guilt off now, but sometimes I still think about it. Um, and I wish I could have been there to save her even though it was actually her and Wanda saving me for a privileged life. I met my birth mom, birth sister's brother and nephew July 5, 2009. It was the best day of my life and I felt, I felt as if part of my half that was missing um, was being filled. Lately, my oldest brother Keith has been getting into the wrong. He's a drug addict. I love my brother Keith so much and I always feel like no matter what, I will take care of him. He's in jail right now for stealing, and his court date is coming up soon. I just hope and pray he doesn't stay in jail for a long time. Maybe just long enough to understand that drugs aren't good for him. The sad thing is, I feel like if he gets out, there's only two options. I feel like he'll end up back in jail, or he'll be killed. 
And I know that sounds bad, but after things that happen with people coming around his house and things, it seems like he's about to hit his end point. And I just pray that he will learn and get better before then. But I am powerless over him, and I can't make him do anything. All I can do is let him know that I love him, and I am, but I want to know him. I want to know the real him, because when we first met was when he started getting involved with drugs. And it breaks my heart so much because I just want to know who he really is, what his personality is like, and I really just want him to show me he cares too. Uh, he was going to come to a play that I was in because I was the main character. He promised me, but it ended. he ended up in the hospital because he was... And it hurt so bad seeing the empty chair in the front row. So bad. In December of last year was when I met my birth grandmother, Mimi, for the very first time. She was at the hospital when I was born and Wanda told me she always asked about me. I got to stand and talk to her for five months before she She passed away on May 9th due to many I didn't have enough time with her. I wanted her to see me perform and grow up. But I can't control that. And, uh, but the time I had with her was wonderful. She had the most wonderful laugh and... Um, I can still hear it. <laughs> Eventually, I wanted to find my birth father. At first, my parents weren't sure if they wanted me to find him. They weren't sure um, because he could barely sign the adoption papers. It was the worst feeling in the world to not know. Not know if your birth father wants you or loves you or gives a crap about you. My birth father, as I said before, is an alcoholic. The search took months after my parents agreed to let me search for him. Um, I think they agreed because I told them that not knowing was worse than knowing and being disappointed because you drive yourself crazy not knowing. My birth mom found him all on Facebook a few months later and sent him a message telling him to call her. Although he hadn't been on in months, so I understood that it would take a while to hear back. But my parents warned me if we didn't find him, um, if we did find him, he still may be in his old ways, uh, drinking and not getting any help. The very next day, I got a call from my birth mother saying she had just got off the phone with Dexter, my birth father. I started crying and she told me that he wanted me to know that he always loved me with his whole heart and he wanted me. My legs collapsed and I fell and it was the biggest relief I've ever had in my life, knowing that my own flesh and blood loved me. One also told me that I had a little brother. His name was Tyler. He was 11 at the time and is now 13. I've always wanted a little sibling. First, I wanted sisters because my brother couldn't braid my hair to save his life. And, uh, <laughs> and then I wanted a little brother to pick on because I was kind of jealous of my friends. Um, <laughs> A few days later, he called me really early in the morning and told me that he was going to work on a construction site for 30 days. Um, there would be no service where he was. It was a little suspicious, but I believed he was telling the truth. However, my dad didn't believe him, so um, a few weeks later, he called my sister Emily, who has a boyfriend um, who's a police officer, and he had him look in the records and see if Dexter was in jail. Um, I later found out that Dexter had been put in jail because he shouldn't and gotten drunk one night. He was put on probation because when he was drinking, after his divorce, uh, he robbed two houses. My heart dropped and all my trust that I had for him went straight down the drain. Everything that I thought was going to happen with our relationship in my head disappeared. I was first so upset I couldn't stop crying because someone that I thought and I brought myself to trust, went back and broke it. And I understand a little now why he didn't want me to know because he wants their daughter that they just met to know that their father is going back to jail. Um, however, at the time I couldn't think of any excuses for him, uh, for any benefit. Um, then after being so sad for so long, I became angry. Angry that he would do this to me after I was so happy with what was happening. He called the house many times, but I know my parents answered the phone. I started going to counseling again, wondering why this was happening to me. I have not only one, but...
And I didn't want to have to live through another nightmare if that's what was going to be with Dexter. After months of not speaking to him, I finally decided to send him a letter. He was now in rehab. It was really hard for me to tell him all my feelings and how I felt about what he did. I told him that every relationship has to be filled with trust and honesty, most importantly, um, but that those important factors were broken. Um, I told him that I loved him and that I would always be here for him, but I said that I want him to focus on his recovery right now and get his life together. And after he is done with that, maybe we can form a relationship. Someone's son or daughter uh, shouldn't have to tell their father or mother that they can't speak to them. It should be the other way around. Um, and no child should have to tell their parent once they get their life straight, they can come back in their lives. I had to tell my baby brother that I couldn't talk to him for a while because of certain things that Dad did. I told him I loved him and, all, and always would and that we would meet one day. It was the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life. I was mad at Dexter put me in, that he put me in that situation, have, having to tell my little brother that, but I didn't think it was fair to talk to my little brother Tyler and tell Dexter that we couldn't speak. Um, but he respected my wishes. For a long time I didn't know where he was. I didn't know if he was out of rehab or drunk on the streets or if he had gotten in a car accident and was severely injured or God knows what. Um, but as I said, it was it's the worst feeling not knowing. Um, I eventually found out that he was in the ice center going to AA meetings and still in recovery. That was a big relief for me, but it made me feel better that I knew he was in a safe environment and he was okay. However, a few weeks ago, I found out that he had been sent back to prison in March. He again broke probation and now he may have to fulfill his full, his full sentence, which would be... I wanted him at my graduation, my wedding, to see my first baby born. And now I don't know if he'll be able to do that. And that scares me so much after I tried to get back into contact with him and, like, he was in jail. Um, I came back into contact with my little brother. Later I found out he had been sent to foster care because his mom got caught with drugs. I didn't want this life for him. I wanted to give him the world and I wanted him to have the best life he can possibly have and it sucks because now he's going through two major things and he doesn't have either parent there for him. Um, he doesn't have them to protect him. All I want for him is to be happy um, and feel loved and I plan on being there for him for the rest of my life. About a year ago this month I met one of my best friends. Elsie. Um, me and him became friends so fast, we just clicked. I don't know how or why, but I knew he was meant to be in my life. We laughed together, and we cried together, and we shared some of the best and funniest moments together. We sang together, um, and we went through surgery. When he had to have surgery, I was right by his side afterwards. He was my best friend for so long. A few weeks ago, we were going to our friend Alexa's house because her dad had just committed suicide and we wanted to be there for her. Alexa was Elsie's ex-girlfriend. When we got to um, her house, her mom told Elsie she didn't want her to have a relationship with him because he was threatening suicide to Alexa and Alexa and her family didn't need that considering what had just happened a few months ago. Which was understandable, but Elsie was really upset. And I've seen Elsie upset, but he was devastated. Um, Elsie is able, usually able to pull it together, but, and that's what I thought he would do. But when we got back to my friend Madison's house, he decided to leave. He was crying, and I told him I loved him and to feel better and that everything was going to be okay. And it all blew over. Um, but a few minutes later, I got a call from him saying uh, he loved me and... He was sorry, but he was by the Kirby Road, by my house, and he was going to drive off the drop-off near there. I immediately grabbed my keys and ran. It's about a 10-minute drive from Madison's house to my house, and let me tell you, it was the longest drive of my life. Um, when I got to the scene, there were three ambulances, a fire truck, and police cars. It was probably the hardest I've ever cried in my life. 
Not knowing if he was alive or dead was the worst feeling, and all I could do was drop to my knees and cry. When they pulled him on the stretcher, I held his hand. I loved him so much. He survived with minor injuries. But later that night, my dad told me he had been lying to me about some things. Um, about his life. Uh, he knew this because he talked to Elsie's dad. I asked Elsie, and he told me the truth about everything. I was devastated. My best friend for a year lied to me about himself. I felt so betrayed. And then comes unconditional. I was so angry with him and some part of me still is but at the same time I still loved him. I wasn't allowed to talk to him until both of our families came face to face and had to talk but for a while I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, on Monday night I got a call from Alexa telling me that Elsie was missing. Um, he called one of our friends and told them he was going to jump off the bridge near his house. It is now Saturday and they still haven't found him. All they found was his shoe at the river bank. Where the bridges. He left me um, a letter along with a bunch of my other friends. Um, and I'm going to share the letter with you. Sarah, you and I became friends really fast. You were a great friend and I loved you like And the only thing I wish you would have done differently is that one day when we went to Alexa's, when I was so upset and you let me drive away. I wish you hadn't. I wish you and Madison had fought from day, and it's okay that you didn't, but here we are. Everyone had a role. I don't think it was any one person's fault, but you were a good friend, Sarah. Never think otherwise. Just because I did this doesn't mean I care about you any less. And picking your road to crash on was nothing personal. It was the only country road I knew, and I wanted it to make, I wanted to make it look like an accident. I'm sorry we didn't get longer together, but I had to do this. Love you, Sarah, and I'm so sorry. Goodbye, buddy. Find someone good to replace me singing Terrified and Never Forget Baby Monkey. Elsie. Um, he also made a video um, the night he left. And it's hard to tell whether he jumped or not because even though there is a shoe by the riverbank, the police still can't tell if he jumped because they haven't found a body. Um, but he left a video, and in the video at some point it said, um, I can't wait to jump and halfway down know that in a few seconds all the pain that I've ever... But if they do find him, I will be devastated because I never got to say goodbye. Time always seems to be an issue. <laughs> but I love the hell out of him. Whether he lied to me or not, and he will always be one of my best friends. I remember our last hug. He said, I love you so much, buddy, but I want another one of those. I want him back, but I can't control it, and I'm so powerless, and I need to let go like God, but I'm heartbroken, and I'm scared. And I just want to rewind and live to all those happy moments that we had together but I may never may never get to see him again and he meant the world um, this song is called end of May um, it says end of May now you're gone and there's still bill to pay and you know it doesn't help to make believe in me it doesn't help to make believe that you're right behind me um, I've been going to Alateen nonstop for over a year now and I've been in perfectly I made so many new friends who I now call my family. And if you know what Komiak is, and you've ever experienced it, uh, you know it's like your Alateen group times a thousand. Komiak was the best weekend of my entire life because there, I was good enough. I was unconditionally loved no matter what. And whenever I feel as if I'm not good enough, I know that I can go to someone here and they will be here for me 100%. I've came a long way since my very first meeting when I was 12. I have matured more and become a better person. I know now that hurting yourself is one of the things anyone could ever do because you're not only hurting yourself, but if someone in your family or your friends found out about it, you're hurting them too. I realize that I'm powerless over my alcoholics and drug addicts in my family and I can control only my actions. And I know I'm becoming a better person each day partly because of these meetings. 
When I come to Alpine, the people here make me feel like I'm good enough. And that's something I've always wanted to achieve. Uh, but when I come here, I realize that you should only care about the people that care about you and nothing else matters. I'm slowly progressing in my recovery, too. Um, I've learned not to be afraid of who I am, so I don't want you to be afraid to be who you are. Like, stop hiding and live your life because you only have one shot to do it. Um, each one of you in this room means the absolute world to me. There are not enough words to describe my love for my Alateen home group. Um, it's okay to be scared, but you know that there's always someone here that has your back no matter what, and they won't leave your side. You aren't alone in this world, even though you may not know it. There's always a person out there that looks up to you and loves you. Don't forget that. And find that person. No matter how long it takes, whether it's or a husband or a wife, never think that you aren't good enough because you are. You're an individual and nobody can take that place of what you have in this world. Um, even though there's a lot of bad that was shared in this story, the good overweighs that. Um, and this convention is based on miracles. Alateen is my miracle. Um, if you're going through a hard time, let go and let God. And then Our next speaker uh, is Lindsay, and Lindsay is also a really good friend of mine. Uh, I've probably heard everything in this story a couple times, <laughs> talk tons. So um, Lindsay's just as great, and love her mu very much. So. Hey guys, I'm Lindsay. Um, I'm really nervous. Okay, I started Alateen um, of 2010, and um, I live in Louisville right now, but I grew up in a small town, and, um, and I didn't have Alateen there. They didn't have it, and they didn't even offer it. I'd heard of it because I've been in and out of AA with my uh, parents. Um, I have alcoholism on both sides of my family, my mom and my dad and their parents. Um, but my main alcoholic is my mom. <laughs> and she's my best friend. And she has been for um, as long as I can remember. Um, most of my memories of my mom are pretty good, uh, but some of the memories that I have are um, around seven years old, I would play hide and seek with my brother, and I would find bottles behind where I would hide, and I wouldn't think anything was wrong with that. I thought everything was okay, but, oh, no deal. Um, and it just really, I was too young to realize what was going on. Um, and I also remember I played basketball when I was, we were all supposed to go to the mall. I was so excited because I was eight and I was a girl. So I'd go into the mall I was like, oh yeah. So, um, <laughs> um, and my mom didn't want to go because she was tired. And I didn't realize there was something wrong with that. But looking back now, I obviously know that she wasn't just tired, <laughs> um, I, but I had no idea. Um, I went places a lot when I was younger. I spent the night at us, because um, there I knew everyone. I had a bunch of friends, um, so I was gone a lot because I just stuck. And my mom would never remember when I left. I would wake her up from her naps, you know. And um, she'd wake up later and not remember that I had told her where I was going. So she would call my friend's house and um, see if I was there. And I was like, hey, Mom. I... And I, didn't, I still didn't realize. I, during all of this, I had no idea what was going on. I just thought it was normal that my mom didn't remember. I was like, oh, she just forgot. No big deal. Just forgetting stuff. But it was a big deal. Um, and in 05, when I was in fifth grade, um, that problem got a name, and it was alcoholism. That's when my mom first went to treatment, and um, 
I was devastated, but I was still too young to really grasp the disease. Um, yeah. Um, and then from fifth grade until seventh grade, I don't really remember a lot. Um, and I'm pretty sure there's some stuff that happened that I guess I just blocked out. And I guess that's what it is because I don't remember much at all. Uh, but something I really like to stress because it's always bothering me is I've heard a lot of kids in Alateen talk about how they socially didn't fit in and how they were very unpopular in school and stuff. But I was the exact opposite. Um, I've always socially fit in. I've always been very popular. Um, I've always been the pretty girl that everybody knows and is friends with. And um, so when stuff like that happens to me, um, I have to hide it and I have to stuff my feelings and put a mask on because I don't want to be imperfections of me and my family because um, in, in the town that I lived in, like I said, it was small, so everyone knew my family and everybody respected my family. My dad was well known because he worked on the railroad and all that good stuff. Um, so I felt like I had to stuff my feelings. So in seventh grade, my mom went back to treatment. Um, I was really upset because um, I have an older brother and my dad and um, <laughs> living with them, that was not fun for me. <laughs> um, so not having my mom around, the only other thing, um, it was hard because I didn't have anybody to talk to about girl stuff. And that's been one of the hardest things about um, having an alcoholic mom is her not being there. But um, anyways, okay. Um, so when she went back, when I was in seventh grade, I felt so abandoned, like I was just talking about. Uh, and my dad and my brother, my relationship with them, um, I've always had a good relationship with my brother. He's one of my best friends as well, uh, but he's very overprotective, and he's almost like having another dad. He's four years older than me, and he's always felt like he has, I guess, the right to boss me around or to tell me what I'm allowed to do. And that's, I've always been very independent, so that didn't fly with me very well, even when I was young, so, um, yeah. And then my relationship with my dad has always been really hard. It's always been very strained. Um, we're completely different people. I'm more like my mom. Um, and so our views on things are really... Um, but up until I was, I guess, seventh grade, I never really started thinking about how much I didn't get along with my dad, I guess. Uh, once I got older, it really hit me because I was growing up and he didn't want me to grow up, I guess. That was really hard, because I was like, what are you doing, buddy? Um, <laughs> but my family um, has always been very codependent. Of course, codependency is unhealthy anyways, but um, yeah. But like I said, on the outside, everything looked okay to everybody else, and then on the inside, it wasn't. We were always very codependent, and everything was very hectic and chaotic um, throughout my entire life. Um, when I was in eighth grade, that's where I really started um, having issues with myself. I got really depressed, and um, I guess because at that age you're just realizing what's going on, and you're just realizing, actually grasping um, things. So I guess um, internally I started understanding the alcoholism and the problems with my family, and I guess I just let it get to me. I let it get the best of me. And never really, I never really showed it to anybody um, in, when I was that age. Um, I was very good at hiding it then, but of course. Um, so I, I got in a relationship with a guy, and um, it was, it wasn't healthy because I um, depended on him and I wanted him to fix me, um, but not like fix me, fix me, but better, I guess. Um, and my parents didn't want me with that guy. So they came in and he knew more. 
And I was like, um, no. And that's the first time I'd ever really um, fought back with parents. So I got very angry, and that's the first time I ever self-abused. Um, I was 13. Uh, or 14. I was 14, I think. Okay. So um, later that year, I had started... I was a freshman, um, and I was 14, about to turn 15, it was a day, and I got sexually assaulted by a guy who was 18, and um, any self-worth that I had up to that point got ruined. When something like that happens, it's really hard because... Alright, I'm sorry. I just, I never, I try not to talk about this, and I try not to think about it, so it's a big part of my story. But, um, talking about it upsets me because I've tried for so long to not think about it. So, um, all my self-worth that I had up to that point, because it wasn't much, because um, I was already depressed and stuff, I completely lost. Um, because I thought, why would somebody do that to me? Um, I didn't understand why, even, I even if I didn't know him, why, if I said no, okay, um, so after that happened, I told my mom, and at this time my mom was sober, and she, of course, her first reaction was to be angry, like any mom would, um, you asked me about it, and asked me if I want to press charges because he was 18, could have, but um, I didn't want to. I just decided that I would rather let it pass and not think about it anymore because that was easier for me. Um, I went back to being perfect on the outside and stuffing everything on, so I could just be everybody girl that was cool. And, um, but after that, I really strayed away from my higher power. I stopped believing that I, there was a higher power for me. So that was really hard. Obviously. It was, for me at the time, it just felt easy. Why, why would a higher power let something like that happen to me? Um, that summer, when I was 15, I met a guy. And I thought he was perfect. Um, and that he could mend my pain. But looking back on it, I know now that sick attracts sick, and that's just how it goes. A couple months into that, um, things got hectic, and he was very emotionally, mentally uh, abusive, and verbally abusive and all that stuff. Um, and that made it harder because I had had sex with this boy. Um, so I got attached to him in ways that I never knew I could be attached to someone. Um, but through all of this, um, the only grandparent that I was close to, she passed away. It was my grandma. It was my mom's mom. And um, I was so consumed with this person in my life, um, addict behavior, and I was addicted to him. I was obsessed with him. So when all this happened, that's when I lost it. That's when I lost everything. Um, it was like, hard to even though it wasn't a good relationship, I felt like he was the only one that could make me happy. And that's so unhealthy. Like looking back at it now, I'm like, oh my god. Um, and my self-abuse then was at its max. Um, it got really bad for a while, but um, I wasn't the same person. I would literally walk through school and somebody would talk to me and I wouldn't even realize there was being... Uh, I started failing school and I had lost all my friends, which was really hard because, like I said, um, socially I was always in the loop and being out of the loop was, for the first time, was... because I never was. Because... Well, that's the thing, because I, I made myself keep my feelings stuffed so no one would ever want me out of the loop. So I would be wanted and be loved, and that's all I wanted. 
from these people that I became consumed with, all I wanted was for them to make me feel loved and like I was wanted. Um, and I think that has to do with some of my abandonment issues because I wanted them to stay and wanted them to want me to stay. Um, so like I said, I lost all my friends. I completely ignored my family. I would literally go home and not speak to anybody, get in the shower, cry forever, self-abuse, get out, and still ignore everybody. Um, because it was like when I was around people, I was not. But when it was when I was on myself, I could feel because nobody was looking. So that's one thing I've always struggled with, not being able to share with anybody how I feel. Because I always felt like I was being judged by friends or family members. And um, So after my grandma passed away, my mom relapsed and she went back to treatment. That was in 09 and I was a sophomore in high school. Um, being without my mom through all this again, at, through my depression and everything, uh, she was gone. So, and she always went for 30 days. So that's, to me, that's a long time, you all. <laughs> um, so she got out of treatment and she came back. And um, my dad had been telling her what's been going on with me and uh, how I was acting and how I'm person anymore, which she already, she had already known because she saw how I was before she left, but once she left, it got worse. Because she was the, um, this is so, the, the main alcoholic in my life is the person that I trusted the most in my life. Isn't that how it goes? It's crazy. Uh, she was the only person in my family that I trusted with everything. So when she left, everything was screwed. I didn't know how to act. Um, so when she came back, he had told her everything, and they talked about it. Uh, the next day after she came back, they sat down with me, and... Um, of course I didn't listen, but they were like, you're not the same person, and I, I knew I wasn't, but was I going to listen to them? No. <laughs> of course not, because I didn't want to hear it from anybody else. Um, you're not the same person, and you don't even act like you anymore. You're not the same, Lindsay. You're not the beautiful person that you've always been. You're not beautiful on the inside anymore, is basically what I was hearing, because that's how I felt. I didn't feel beautiful on the inside anymore. So they decided to take action and to get me away from this person that, and that they thought was all my problems. Big part of it, yeah. All of it, no way. Um, so they pulled me out of school and I started doing homeschooling. Um, but I wasn't getting better and no one knew why. Uh, they thought that it was just the fact that I was around this person and the fact that I was still around them at school and everybody knew everything that had went on that I needed to just get away and that's not just what it was. They didn't realize that I was having issues with them. And that blew my mind because I was like, are you kidding? This entire, my entire life other than this per like, this person's just been the past year. You all have been here my entire life and you think it's just them? Okay. That's fine. You could think that. Um, so, <laughs> One night, uh, probably about three weeks after I started homeschooling, I broke down and I told them that I needed to do something, that I needed to go to counseling. Because like I said, Alateen wasn't there, so I didn't know to go there. I didn't know to go to Alateen. Which makes me so mad now that I think about it because I paid to go to this counselor when I could have come to Alateen. <laughs> But, you know, <laughs> it's okay. Um, so I started seeing a counselor, and yeah, she helped me. She did help me. Um, that's what I'm supposed to do. So, uh, but I still wasn't fully healed. I never felt that feeling of, I'm back to normal, and I feel okay. Um, after I started counseling, uh, I'm trying to think how I'm not sure, maybe, maybe a couple months, um, my dad had sat down with me and my family and told me that we were moving to Louisville. 
and uh, I was like, hey, you're joking. Um, because I was like, after all this has happened, you're going to pick up and move me. Because he didn't realize that how I felt about it, he didn't realize that I didn't feel better. I just felt, I didn't feel like anything that had happened to me there had been resolved, so leaving there wasn't okay with me. Plus, it was my home since I was, uh, so that's where I wanted to be. Um, so we moved, and it was the hardest thing, like, ever. It was so hard. Um, I didn't have friends. Like I said, I've always had good friends. I've always, and I just had started becoming friends with my other friends that I had lost when I um, went through all my depression. So moving just devastated me. Um, so I didn't have friends. I came here. I didn't know anybody. I come in my junior year of high school. I have two years of high school left, and I'm not going to graduate with the people that I've been with since I was five. And that was the hardest thing for me was letting go of people. Because I'm, I've always had a problem of, well, as you can tell from my story, I get really consumed with people. So even my friends, I had some sort of, other than just being friends with them, letting them go was even that much harder for me, I think, personally. Um, but I started going to Alateen in July, like I said, because I moved to Louisville in June for social reasons, because I wanted friends, I wanted people to like me again. <laughs> I know what he's talking about now, sorry. Um, so I started going for social reasons because I wanted people to like me and I wanted people, not because I thought I needed it, because I was like, counseling fixed me, not. Um, but I kept coming back to reality meetings because I wanted friends. And they opened me up. They opened me back up to, uh, like, other people. Because I was so unwilling to open up to other people here because I was like, I have friends back in Tennessee. I don't need friends here. But they opened me up to people, and they opened me back up to my higher power. Because up until this point, I still didn't. Um, I actually started listening to what they said because at first I was like, what are they Like, none of what they're saying is making sense. Um, but on, like on another, in another way it did, but I didn't listen. That's what, um, they, Alateen help, has helped me in every way, uh, with everything. Um, every problem I've ever had, I have now somebody to share it with. Um, because I never had that before, like I said. I never had somebody to call and tell if something was going wrong call and tell if something was going right. So now I have that. And um, recently, about, um, my parents got divorced. Um, and the funny thing is, before the divorce, I knew I was speaking. So to me, it's just weird that from that point until now, Alateen can help me with something in that short of a time. Um, and that just, that's great for me, because I need something like that. Um, and also, recently, um, <laughs> recently, um, the biggest fear of mine came. I turned to substances for the first time I ever have in my life. And I was so scared after, oh, I'll tell you this one really quick. So it, and, you know, you don't need to know that. But <laughs> I called my mom and asked her to come get me. And that's just so great to me that the alcoholic in my life, the person that I come to these meetings for, I come for myself, but you know what I mean. The person that put me here, I guess, because she's my mom and she's my alcoholic, um, asked her to come get me. And she did. Um, but I was so scared that people were going to be disappointed because all of my friends here and all of the people that I love here know that I've never done stuff like that and know that that's been since I've found out what alcoholism is. And when I told them, I expected them all to just yell at me and be like, you're insane, and I can't believe you. But instead, they all put me back in my place and told me that they love me, and they know that I have healthier methods than that to fix my problems.
So, um, I'm so thankful for that. Um, so now my mom, she's been sober for two years. And... <laughs> um, and this past summer, what? what? July. Was that... Ju July. At the end of July, we went to Comiac, like Sarah said, and it was fabulous. So, you all go buy those tickets to send us there, because I want to go back. <laughs> um, it was the most amazing experience ever. I've never felt, I don't know, I, just, I can't even explain it because it's just one of those things where it happens, and then, and then it ends, and you're like, whoa, what was that? <laughs> it was great. Uh, but I never, I've never felt so happy and cried so much at the same time in my life. <laughs> um, everybody is so, everybody in Alateen, I, I love to talk about this because everyone in Alateen is so loving. Everyone. And I know it's like that in Al-Anon and AA. Everybody is so accepting and it's, that's something that I love because I don't have to hide like I felt like I've had to for my entire life and I don't want to hide anymore. I want to talk to my friends who, like Sarah, also my family now. I see them once a week and I feel like it's not enough. Um, but Alateen is my miracle. Um, I feel like it saved my life because I was at a point one time where I didn't want to live anymore. And Alateen makes my life better to live. Makes me happier. Um, and I feel so blessed to share this miracle with all the Alateens and everybody that I love.